we'll just go ahead and begin. So, uh, let's see. I would like to state for the record that today is August 24th, 2020, and my name is Ben Bauman. I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm speaking via phone with Otto Bonahum, who is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Is that all correct? Correct. And we are doing an interview for the Indiana Oral History Initiative. So, just starting off, uh, when and where were you born? I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, November 5, 1930. Okay. And uh, what were your parents' names? My parents were uh, Badia, B-E-D-I-A, J. Bonahum, and Louise M. Bonahum. Okay, interesting. And where was your family originally from? Were you guys in Indiana for a long time or somewhere before that? Uh, no, we, uh, well, my, my dad uh, was the superintendent of the Indianapolis Sears Roebuck store uh, at the time I was uh, born. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, my uh, mother's family is from uh, Williams County, Ohio, which is up uh, uh, northwest uh, <clears throat> Ohio, only about 35 miles from Fort Wayne. Interesting, okay. And uh, uh, actually, I was, my family was living in Indianapolis, at, uh, but my mother wanted to come up to Fort Wayne uh, to deliver me because uh, she was only 20 years old and uh, she wanted her mother and her own doctor. Ah. So, uh, so she came up and, we, and I was born here in Fort Wayne on November 5. Ah, okay, sure. And where was your dad's family from before they started living in Indiana? Well, they were... Uh, they were all immigrants. My dad's family and my mother's family were immigrants from Lebanon. Okay, interesting. And, and uh, they lived in, most of them lived in, uh, dad was born in Toledo, uh, Ohio, and mm -hmm. they, uh, they lived there. I have, uh, actually, when I was born, uh, Lebanon didn't exist. Okay. We were Syrian then. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, uh, I kind of, I've always kidded everybody that until 1948, I told everybody my ancestry was Syrian, <laughs> and so, suddenly it was Lebanese. <laughs> so, things change fast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. Um, did you have any siblings? I have two younger sisters. Okay. Uh, And uh, how would you describe your childhood growing up? Well, we uh, we lived here in, in Fort Wayne, uh, uh, middle class family, uh, uh, not rich and not poor. Right. Uh, just uh, got along. I uh, I went to uh, Catholic. Uh, grade schools 
and the Catholic high school, Central Catholic High School. Uh, and uh, we are a very close family. I had the, uh, I had two of the very best parents you could have. My dad was, uh, was an exemplary guy who was quiet and wise and my mother was also. And uh, <laughs> I always laugh and tell everybody that I'm nothing like my dad. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I try to be wise, but I'm not nearly as quiet as he. <laughs> uh, my dad was a guy of few words, but uh, he uh, instilled in me a, uh, uh, an understanding that the world didn't owe me a living, and that if I wanted to do something, I had to figure out how to do it. Right. And uh, I did that, uh, uh, it, it's quite interesting. He never fought a battle for me, no matter what happened. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had a, I was a very good student. I was an honor student my whole life. And I came home one day, and it was in high school, and uh, I said, uh, this nun hates me. She's, uh, she's going to kill my average. Mm. And my, my dad said, uh, son, you're going to find people like that in your life all the time. You better figure out how to win her over. Wow. And I did. And I did. She, the lady that he... The, the, the woman that I'm talking about became one of my closest friends for over 50 years. Wow. Uh, I had two fantastic sisters of Providence who are from uh, 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 near Terre Haute. <laughs> Suddenly I can't... <laughs> no worries. Pardon? No, no worries. Don't worry about it. That's <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, and I... I, I corresponded with or met those two uh, sisters uh, several times a year for 50 years. They, wow. both lived into, they both lived into their 90s and they were just fantastic people. Wow. Uh, uh, I, uh, I had a very uh, had a, a very very uh, blessed childhood. Uh, sure. Uh, they, uh, they, I'll just give you an example. I, I, I went to college at Marquette University, and I came home after my first semester as a freshman, and I had a, the English teacher had assigned a uh, term paper. Well, I was a, a was a uh, fifth in my class, and uh, I had never written a term paper. I didn't even know what one was. Right. And and I called up the Sister Constance, uh, who was still teaching at the uh, Central Catholic in Fort Wayne, and uh, I told her my problem. She said, no problem. Come on down. Saturday morning, meet me at 9 o'clock in the convent. I went down there, and, uh, and she taught me for about seven hours. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and by the time I got done, I understand how, what a term paper was and how to write one and what the 
uh, what a footnote was and how to write one and, and the whole. That's the incredible. Whole I I I, uh, I tell that story because I I just think it's 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 remarkable. Yeah. The, uh, what what she uh, did. I took it all. I I, I went back wrote a. Wrote my term paper, got an aid, called her up and said, well, you, it worked. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Jeez. Uh, I was uh, actually my, uh, uh, I, I really, I never had any money, by the way. My dad was, was all right as far as financially, but he could not spend a dime on my college education, and even though I got good grades, at that time, uh, the best scholarship I could get was uh, uh, a couple of hundred dollars a semester. Ah, okay. And uh, I got it, and uh, uh, I got that in law school. But uh, in uh, in undergrad, I. I uh, went to Milwaukee and uh, lived with my aunt and uncle, who lived only 12 blocks from Marquette University, Okay. where I got a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Laws, uh, uh, and I, I did it with no money from my father at all, and I worked, and as I said, I got a couple small scholarships. Right, right. Wow. And where did you go to law school? I went to Marquette. Okay. I, I had intended to go to Indiana. I, my original plan was to go to Marquette and get my undergraduate degree. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I did. I have a, an A.B. In, uh, in philosophy okay. with, a minor, with a minor in Latin, French, and English. Uh, which is a little a little unusual. Yeah. Were a couple of my lawyer friends when they found that out, they said, "My gosh, your minor had nothing to do with law." And I said, <laughs> "Well, I, I I didn't need it for law." Right. Interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, but instead of going to IU, I got up to Marquette, and I liked it so well. And also, to be honest with you, Ben, I uh, I was a big man on campus at Marquette. Oh, okay. If I'd have gone to, if I'd have gone to IU, I'd have been another freshman. Yeah. And, and I, that's what talked me out of it. I thought, right. I don't want to start over. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an IU fan, actually, but uh, I just, uh, I, I, I couldn't do that. Uh, sure. I was, uh, I was president of the uh, Marquette Student Union which is which is a, what that time was their student uh, organization. Yeah. And, uh, and and I and it was just no way was I going to go back and be a uh, a freshman at at any university. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like you were very well connected at Marquette then. Oh yeah, I've uh, I I actually four of my six children. Uh, went to Marquette. Wow. One went, one went to Purdue. Okay. I, my daughter, my daughter is a, uh, cum laude pharmacist from Purdue. Oh, okay. Interesting. 
and uh, we've been very uh, we, we've been very fortunate. We all all of the all of the children have been uh, successful and happily married, and uh, sure, I've got I've got fifteen grandchildren and nine great grandchildren. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, in your childhood, did you have much understanding about your family's political views? Uh, there, would, there was not much politics, uh, except, uh, actually, I can tell you what happened. Sure. <laughs> we, we never talked politics at all, but my dad, uh, after he uh, left Sears Roebuck, uh, he... Uh, took over a family restaurant and he and he ran the restaurant for 15 or 20 years and wow. I worked in it from the time I was 11 and uh, uh, and at that time dad was a democrat okay uh, and one day uh, <laughs> I uh, he had the, his accounting books for the restaurant in his arm and I said where are you going dad and he says well I the uh, office of price administration this is back during the war yeah uh, in the 40s uh, he said called me and said that I am I'm overcharging and he said so I gotta go show him uh, my books and he said he says I gotta explain to them that uh, they can't make me uh, charge the same thing if i buy a tomato for 15 cents i i can't sell it for 15 cents right make a living. right well, well he figured that was just normal he expected them to agree with him and of course he got down there and they absolutely didn't agree with anything he said wow and, they, and <laughs> he came back and became a republican okay yeah <laughs> wow yeah that is but, pretty crazy uh, but I've been a Republican my whole life, just about. But, I mean, I, I did a lot of uh, political speeches in college, in high school and college. Right. Uh, and, uh, but I, I'm not a, uh, I, I, I like to think that I'm a, uh, I have, I'm a Republican, and I believe in, in, in conservative uh, values, but I also have spent my life um, in both in politics and in normal and regular life uh, uh, helping people. Right. Which is which I think is an absolute requirement for life. And, sure. And and that's and uh, that's. What I did when I was in the legislature, and uh, and even today, uh, or all throughout my life, uh, I have uh, I've been involved in. Uh, I uh, was the co-founder of a of the Martin Luther King Montessori School. Oh, okay. Wow. For young, for young, uh, for three, four, uh, three, four, and five-year-olds in the. Uh, in the uh, inner city here in Fort Wayne, yeah. which is still in existence, and uh, I uh, helped found the Matthew 25 Health Clinic, 
Okay. There's also in existence, and I was their, their attorney for 25 years. They're now a, a big, large, free health clinic here in Fort Wayne. And uh, what I liked about it is, is that we were able to get uh, doctors and dentists and health people not just to give money. They uh, donated their time. Yeah. Uh, and I, and don't forget, I'm talking way back in the, in the fifties, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's quite a while ago. And, uh, and then the last thing I've been involved with for over 30 years is, uh, the, uh, Vincent village home for homeless families. Mm, I've, okay. work, I've worked that for, I was the president and the co-founder and uh, for 30 years, and I'm still, I'm not on the board anymore. I got off after 30 years, but I'm still active uh, with them. And uh, yeah. I, I'm very, very proud of the, what, what we've done at that time. Uh, during that time, when uh, when we started, we had one little old house that the Diocese of Fort Wayne gave us. And... Uh, and that's all we had, and it held about seven people, seven or eight people, as I recall. And that's not very big when you're trying to take a family in. Right. Uh, and uh, we now have about 42 or 43 rehabbed homes, very nice homes, in the northeast uh, or the southeast central part of Fort Wayne, which is the uh, lower income part of Fort Wayne and we we not we we rent these homes to these people uh, according to how much money they got and we we uh, send our caseworkers to help them so that they don't slip back into homelessness uh, wow the the homeless things that, that we do is uh, we we help them become uh self-sufficient so they don't have to be homeless we right help them get a job we help them get uh, education we help take care of their children uh well and and we take in families almost nobody else takes in families and that that's crucial uh, sure. if, if you're going to help people so i'm i'm very basic you can probably tell i'm I'm, I'm very pleased with that because I can see what it's done. We also, we just recently uh, partnered with a uh, builder and uh, we uh, helped uh, rehabilitate uh, the old Coca-Cola plant in the area that I'm talking about. And so now the, the entire place has, has uh, I don't know how many, but a great number of brand new apartments uh, that are priced uh, so that people can move into them. Oh, okay. Uh, in the same area that that's maybe about six blocks from our main office. Yeah. Wow. And uh, we're, uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> we've, we're, I'm very pleased. Fort Wayne, I think Fort Wayne is a tremendous city. They do lots of things 
for all of its citizens and uh, that's primarily uh, what has kept me uh, involved. I, uh, sure. As I told you, I'll be 90 in a couple of months. Yeah. But I'm still, uh, I'm very pleased to be with these, to be working with these people and I, I'm still working with them as a matter of fact. Okay, that's great. Wow. Yeah, that's that's all really impressive. Fantastic stuff, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, uh, when I when I joined the or when I I I was a, a young Republican then, uh, and uh, I was a precinct committeeman and a ward chairman, and at, the, at that time I was in my late twenties, and uh, and I ran for the general assembly uh, when I was thirty two. Wow. And, and I and I got elected. Uh, actually, I uh, I was the second highest vote getter in Allen County. Wow. Okay. The only person that beat me was the was Congressman Ross Adair, who'd been a congressman for twenty years. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, I only ran for one. I, I only I got elected and I only served one term, which we'll talk about later. But uh, because I had. I, it was too much of a strain on my uh, my family. I, I, I couldn't. Uh, I had five young children, and uh, I couldn't leave my wife and run down there to Indianapolis. Sure. For all for all the work that they did. Yeah. Now, now growing up, uh, you mentioned a little bit before. What was it like growing up during World War II? Uh. It was uh, <clears throat> actually none of us really. Uh, it it was pretty normal. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything unusual. I, I, of course, you got to realize you're so much younger than me. Uh, sure. Everybody was in the same boat. I mean, we're all about the same. I I I uh, had good friends and. Uh, even though most of them, their families were uh, economically better off than, than I was, nobody gave a hoot. Yeah. Nobody paid any attention to it. So, uh, you know, we all just associated together, and that, and uh, we didn't. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's totally different, however, from today, especially monetarily. Yeah. You, uh, I've I've watched my grandchildren uh, say to their parents, uh, "I need ten bucks. I'm going to the movie, or or fifteen bucks. I'm <laughs> going to go." Man, we, <laughs> I that's just out of the question in my when I was kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, and I'm not unhappy with with the new with the new generation. Don't right. misunderstand right. me. But it, it's it's just so different that, that yeah. it's, it's hard to hard to imagine that, that you know anything I wanted. My dad was I'd say, Dad, I want to do such and such. He'd say, Sure, son, just go out in the backyard and shake the tree and whatever falls out, <laughs> pick it up. <laughs> I said, Of course it was. Uh, but uh, that, that's just, that's the way Dad had a great sense of humor. 
And he also was very frugal, but he never, he never made me, uh, I made all, all my own decisions. He insisted that I make my own decisions. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't let, wouldn't make one for me no matter what I did. Uh, uh, he, he listened to me and, and I made several of them that, uh, were, uh, they, they worked out all right, but, but they were scary kind of decisions, but. I said, how come you didn't tell me what to do? He said, you wouldn't have listened to me anyway, son. You have to learn how to, how to make decisions on your own. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, boy, what if I'd have made a mistake? He said, well, you'd have to live with it, that's all. <laughs> yeah, interesting, okay. Wow. Now, what was your first job out of uh, law school? Uh... Well, I, 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 when I got out of law school, I, uh, I was 11th in my class, and I thought I would be able to get a pretty good job, but I got out in night. I, well, first, I, when, I, when I graduated, I had to spend two years in the Army. Okay. I graduated in, from law school in 54, and then, then I, I got drafted immediately. Three months later, I was in the service, and... Uh, I should tell you about that. I guess I uh, uh, I got drafted and uh, uh, did uh, my basic training, and I got sent to Germany. Okay. And uh, to finish out my two-year term, and uh, <clears throat> I wound up uh, uh, being a clerk. For I was not an officer yeah. at that time. At that time, they weren't giving out uh, they weren't giving out first lieutenant uh, direct commissions like they apparently do now, and a lot of times did at that time. Right. But uh, they offered me one after I got in for a year, but I decided I I wasn't going to accept it after I I'd done all the dirty work that a PFC does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so I, uh, I got sent to Germany, and uh, I was uh, stationed in Nuremberg. Okay. Uh, and uh, once I got this clerk's job for the legal in the legal affairs department, I uh, I was engaged at the time to my wife, and uh, I wrote her a letter and said, "You might as well come over here. We'll get married." And uh, uh, that way we'll get to see Europe together. Yeah. Because I've got a, I've got an eight to five job, five days a week, and uh, uh, and you, uh, there's no point in me. I don't want to see Europe without you. So that's what we did. We, <laughs> I'm the oldest son in the family. She's the oldest daughter in the family. Nobody was. At our wedding, but us. Oh wow! Yeah, and some and some friends that I knew in the army, and uh, so we were married in uh, Munich. Because wow. uh, when you go to when you go to uh, Europe, you have to be married in a civil ceremony. They won't let you be married merely in a uh, in a religious ceremony. Uh, so, and, and if you were in the army at the time I was there, uh, the only 
the closest place I could get married in a civil ceremony was Munich, even though I lived in Nuremberg. Yeah. I was stationed in Nuremberg. So I got married in the Amtsgericht, which is the marriage office, and the Oberlandesgericht, which is the district court. Wow. Uh, in Munich, and then I had to go back to Nuremberg and uh, get married in, a, in a, the ceremony in the religious ceremony. Yeah. Uh, uh, the next day, that was July 30th. That's by the way, this July 30th, I Jane and I have married uh, 65 years. Wow! Congratulations, that's amazing. And so we uh, then we spent the next. Well, that was July 30th, 55, and I was released from service in uh, August of uh, 56, and between those two dates, uh, Jane and I uh, visited uh, uh, Rome, Florence, Amsterdam, Paris, uh, uh, London, uh, practically all of the, and every city in Germany except Berlin. Wow. Uh, and so we had, uh, uh, we had a, a very full, uh, we drove all those places, by the way, and by <laughs> wow. 1948 Studebaker. You probably have never seen a Studebaker. But I can tell you, Ben, that that, that um, the 48 Studebaker was a a little car that looked like it looked the same going forward or backwards. <laughs> I mean, uh, wow! And, and uh, we laugh about it. anybody who knows will tell you that, that that's what the Studebaker looked like. And uh, I bought it used from another GI, and uh, while I was over there in Germany, and I sold it to another GI when I left. Wow. Uh, but we uh, we drove it. Uh, we really had a fantastic. You know, people don't understand if you haven't been there. You know, Florence, for example, in Italy is the most fantastic place for for art and and yeah. uh, sculpt sculpture. Uh, Michelangelo's David is uh, is in Florence. Sure. Um, and uh, and Rome, of course, has all kinds of just everything and Rome is a fantastic place uh, uh, actually had we known we would have seen Rome last because ah, okay. Rome is so so outstanding and so big everything else is anticlimactic after Rome yeah yeah uh, it's uh, I've got I've got a couple of hundred color slides uh of um, all these places that I went, and uh, it's uh, it, it's just uh, I love it. I love looking at it. I like to show my grandchildren and my great grandchildren. The only trouble is that uh, half of them are just don't you know people don't don't really care much about history anymore, and that's yeah. too bad because uh, they miss a lot. Right, right. But. Uh, of course, that's I'm 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 a liberal arts type of guy, you know, and sure. I believe, you know, my my favorite uh, is uh, is English literature. I'm a Shakespeare buff. Okay. I, uh, 
I've I've seen all of Shakespeare's plays at least once. Wow. Uh, and uh, you know, I, it's the type of thing that I and I, I love English literature. I read all the time. I'm still reading. Yeah. I I, I must have spent two and a half hours reading before you called me. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Uh, so um, it's uh, uh, you know I'm, <laughs> I, I I fear I'm not necessarily the prototype uh, guy that you see around here now because they don't most of them don't even understand what I'm talking about when I, when I talk <laughs> about this stuff. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It is for them. Yeah, it is for them. It. it uh, however, I will tell you something. I. Uh, uh, I talk to my grandchildren, especially, and they—they uh, they listen. They find it interesting. They, when I tell them the, the type of things that I'm telling you, mm-hmm. they, boy, they don't move. They listen. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Anyway, you—you uh, you asked me what my—that <laughs> was the first job I had when I got out of law school. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, and uh, when I got out of the service, I tried to get a uh, uh, hookup with a, with a law firm here in Fort Wayne. And I had a, a several uh, offers, but uh, because I was 11th in my class and I was a, a law review. Yeah. I was on the law review board, so, uh, you know, I was not a slouchy guy, I, uh, you know, and, uh, but at, in 1956, uh, they just, you know, the best offer I got was $300 a month. Wow. And, uh, uh, and actually, that's what everybody else was working for at that time. And I, I shouldn't tell you this, but uh, the one firm, the big firm offered me $300 a month. And I said to the guy, I said, I think I can starve by myself. I don't need any help. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and and he, said, he said, maybe you wouldn't be very good at a big law firm. I said, I'm afraid maybe if, if you want me to work for $300 a month, yeah. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, then I got lucky. Uh, I um, I went around to different uh, firms looking for somebody just to hire me, and nobody did. But one of the guys, uh, uh, Orvis Spears, who was a, at that time a I didn't know him, but he was a big Republican. Uh, he uh, he said, "Well, I can't hire you. Our firm doesn't need a new guy, but." We have a guy upstairs on the 14th floor of Lincoln Tower, and he just left us, and he's got more work than knows what to do with. Why don't you go see him? So I did, and I'd never met this man in my life. His name was Frank Solerick, and uh, uh, it was a two-room office with a... a uh, a, a small place for the secretary and two chairs for the uh, uh, for the clients on the 14th floor of the Lincoln Tower in Fort Wayne, and uh, he says, "Well, Adam, I can't uh, 
pay you a salary, but I tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll give you all the work I can, and I'll pay all the overhead. Okay. And anything you bring in, you get 50% of, and anything you do for me, or you get 100% of, and anything you do for me, you get 50%. He says, you think you can do with that? I said, well, <laughs> it's the best offer I've got. And so <laughs> I, I, I took it. And, uh, and uh, Ben, I don't, are, are you a lawyer, Ben, by any chance? Uh, I'm not. Pardon? I, I'm not, no. No. Well, I walked, he, he showed me this little tiny office I had. And when I say tiny office, you had to stand up. To let one client sit down, he had, had I couldn't close the door unless he stood up, and he, you know, it was that it was that tight. Wow! But he he walked in and brought me a stack of of files about three feet high, <laughs> and he put them on the desk, and he said, "Here, go to work. Turn around, walk away." <laughs> and I'm I'm looking at this three foot stack of files, and I thought, "Holy Moses!" Jeez. Uh, and I uh, and I, you got to remember, I was just 26 at the time. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I really hadn't practiced law. I know I'd been in the service. Right. And I'd done I'd done a lot of legal work. I was doing. I didn't tell you, but the legal work I did was. Uh, uh, was all military legal work, and I, I did a lot of it. Yeah. But, uh, but it's nothing like civil legal work. So, uh, and I I started working, and uh, first year, obviously, I didn't make much money, but uh, I I made out. It got got better and better as it went on, and uh, I I'll tell you, I, I I like to tell stories that indicate what happened. I got I started with him in '56, and uh, our second daughter uh, was born February 1st, '58, uh, and uh, at that time Jane and I were living in the front bedroom of my parents' house. Okay. And this, now we had two two killed children. Yeah. And Jane says. We, we can't stay here. And I said, I know it. There's just too many people. Uh, she says, well, what are you going to do? I says, well, we got to find a place to go. And, uh, of course, the problem is it was easy to find a place to go, but I didn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> and so the problem. But at any rate, uh, at that point, a uh, an acquaintance that I knew, uh, a Lebanese uh, family, said, well, we're building a... We were we just started an addition out in uh, in uh, North Fort Wayne, and uh, we'll build you a house and sell you the house and the lot uh, for fifteen five. Hmm. Uh, what did I say? Fifteen thousand five. I think that's what it was. Fifteen anyway. It was fifteen thousand. Let's say, and uh, we'll. We'll sell it to you on contract with $2,500 down and two hundred and $125 a month. And I thought, boy, that's great. And Jane says, where are you going to get $2,500? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, don't worry, honey. 
I'll have it when they ask me for it. And uh, I went back to the office, and I pulled down one of these files that I was telling you about, and I opened it up. It was a personal injury case. Mm. And it was, a, it was a good personal injury case. Uh, and uh, I thought, boy, this is a good case. It's worth at least 100000 yeah. to the client. And, of course, I was green as grass. I had never seen a personal injury case. All I knew how to do was I filed a, a complaint and a summons and sued him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and the uh, uh, guy who later became my best friend, Bill McNagney, represented State Farm, who was, who was the insurance, the, had the insurance for this defendant. And, yeah. uh, and uh, he called me up and he says, this is Bill McNagney. Why didn't you call me before he filed this lawsuit? And I said, I don't know you. He said, he says, he says, well, I'm Bill McNagney and I represent State Farm. And I said, well, that's fine. I says, and he says, oh, my, the policy I've got was you, you're only entitled to 15,000. That's the limit. And I said, well, how do I know that? He says, I'll prove it to you. He hung up. He was on the third floor. He came up to the 14th floor of the Lincoln Tower and uh, threw the policy on my desk. And I looked at it and I said, "Well, I see that that's what you got." I said, "Are you offering me fifteen thousand? And he he says, "No, I gotta gotta justify my existence." He said, "I'll." Uh, he says, "How about fourteen five? Uh, well, I can tell you right now that I was ready to accept that on the spot. Yeah, uh, because the the guy was judgment proof. The guy right. that I was suing didn't have any money. But McNagney was not being, he was not being nice to me. The fact is, he knew that if he didn't deal with me well, I mean, honestly, I would have, and I sued and got a judgment, say $100,000, I would have sued the company for not, uh, uh, for not dealing fairly and I'd I'd have gotten it and Bill knew it. Yeah. So he did, so he offered the fourteen five, and I had to make a long story short. I talked to the client. Of course, he accepted it. We had it on a one third uh, contingent fee basis. That is, if if you win, you get a third. If you don't win, you get zero. Right. Uh, and uh, so the fee was about five grand. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I split it with with Frank. So he it was. I got about twenty two. And he got about twenty two hundred, and uh, and, I, and and that was my down payment. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's, you got to remember. Also, you have to remember another thing, man. Up until that time, I'd never charged anybody more than seventy five dollars for yeah. anything. Wow. Anything I had done, uh, uh, and so um, uh, that that was how we. That's how we got started. After that, it got better. But I still didn't make an awful lot of money. But I, yeah, I didn't. You know, I I was going along. Wow, interesting. Uh, so, how many kids do you have? Six. Six. Okay. I have four girls and two sons. Okay. And one is a lawyer. Oh, okay. So my son Joe is a lawyer and. He is practicing here in Fort Wayne. He practiced. I practiced with him, and he uh, until about four years ago when I retired. 
I retired in 86, so it isn't for you. I retired in 86, but I was 86 when I retired. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So, uh, uh, but uh, uh, that's, uh, I should tell you that uh, I I, I went along and uh, uh, I was, you know, I was making ends meet, uh, and I decided that I needed some more uh, uh, publicity so that people knew I was around. Yeah, and I, that's why I ran for uh, uh, for state representative. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, and, and I did that in uh, in nineteen sixty two. Uh, I ran for state representative. At that time, I was only 32. Uh, and as I told you before, I got elected. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, actually, Ben, my, uh, uh, my two years in the legislature were probably, the two I was in were probably as, as exciting and as different as anybody's ever had for two years. Wow, okay. Uh, we, uh, you know what, you, you probably don't even know this, but uh, Indiana did not have a sales tax mm, until 1963. Okay. We passed, we passed the sales tax, uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a huge battle. Yeah. Uh, because uh, at the time, uh, the things were different then. Matthew Welch was a Democrat governor, and Dick Christine was a Republican lieutenant governor. Okay. It doesn't, it, that doesn't happen today. Yeah. It, did that, it was then, and the, uh, the legislature was barely Republican, by about uh, the Senate was was uh, I could be off on this, but the Senate was only three or four votes Republican. Okay. The House, the House was much easier. The House was heavily Republican. I can't remember the the amounts, but uh, of course the big thing was the budget and taxes, right? And sales tax. So they nobody wanted. Neither the neither the Democrats nor the Republicans wanted to be the party that introduced the sales tax or the paid you know that passed the sales tax. Yeah. And particularly Matt Welsh didn't want it because he was a Democrat and he wanted to run for Senate. Yeah. And and Dick Christine didn't want to be the one to get it because he was a lieutenant governor, and he wanted to be governor. Right, right. And uh, so we spent the first 61 days fighting about it, and uh, we couldn't do it. We did nothing happened. So Matt Welsh called a, a special session of 40 days. And uh, so we spent another 40 days fighting about, you know, trying to get, get, the, get a sales tax passed and pass a budget. By the way, 
at the time I ran, uh, and uh, ready for this, you, yeah. know how much, you know how much a legislator was paid at that time? <laughs> Probably not much. <laughs> 1800 bucks a year. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, in other words, I got $900 for the two months that I was supposed to be there in 63. Yeah. With, with no per diem. There was nothing per, per day. So I used up the $900 living down in Indianapolis. Wow. I, I made, you know, I can tell you, I know what it is today, and it's, it's like $2,200 plus per diem. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, so we uh, we got this uh, extra session, and it went almost the full forty extra days. Finally, the House passed the seven percent tax, and it was like the second or last day of one of the very last days of the extra session, and so all of us. Uh, all hundred of the, of the uh, state reps went over to the Senate, and we sat in the aisle to see what they were going to do with this bill. And the uh, place was packed. Uh, there was no room in the stands above. Or it was a, and the, the tension was, it was was touchable. It was it was so tense, and uh, the Democrats. Uh, had arranged it so that a couple of their people were sick. Uh, but what they did is they arranged it so that there was, it was 50-50. There were, there were, if all the Republicans voted for it and all the Democrats voted against it, it'd be a tie. Wow. And that's what happened. And we all sat there. We all knew what had happened. <laughs> I, I laugh about this because the public doesn't understand this. But sure. <laughs> uh, we sat there, all 150 of us, almost 150 plus the audience. And uh, if you've ever watched it, they, they call out everybody's name. Yeah. And, when, and you look up on the on the board and you <laughs> see everybody's name. And when it got done, the, the, the clerk says... Uh, Mr. Chairman, the vote is 48 to 48 or something like, you know, whatever it was. And uh, and there was dead silence <laughs> in that chamber. And Dick Ristine, of course, has to break the tie. Yeah. He, and he's the Republican who doesn't want to be the guy that <laughs> voters for sales tax. Yep. But I, I remember what he said. He said, to get this state moving again, the chair votes aye. And wow. the place went up, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was cheering and laughing and screaming and everything else, and uh, and that, that's how we got the sales tax. Wow, yeah, it is pretty interesting time to be in there. It, it was indeed, and I I knew dozens of people in the in the audience. You know, they'd come up to you know to uh, some of them were very good friends. Yeah. You know, uh, and, uh, but, uh, as I said before, I, I was in one of the most interesting, uh, times in the, that you could be in the legislature. Uh, right. However, let me tell you something. I watch the legislature now and you know something, nothing has changed. Really? It's, 
It's all, I'll tell you what it is. They're still arguing about the budget, taxes, and reapportionment. We were arguing about that. Okay. We were arguing about that 60, 70 years ago, and we're still arguing about it. Uh, it, 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 it makes me laugh every time I, uh, I look at because it's, it, it's changed. Don't misunderstand me, but the issues are, are practically the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, so it's, uh, it's uh, oh, I, I forgot to tell you, I, 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 uh, I backed the right guy for a speaker of the house, and uh, he uh, appointed me to the Ways and Means Committee, which is the most prestigious committee right. in the house. It's yeah. the one that votes on the taxes and, and everything, and uh uh, and all the expenses, and for a freshman legislator to be on that committee, there was 18 of us, uh, 18 people on the committee, and I was, of course, the only freshman on it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was another thing. That's another reason why I couldn't run again. I, I was working uh, five days a week. I never came home to Fort Wayne because I, the Ways and Means Committee was meeting five days a week, sometimes at night. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of tough on my wife, very tough on my wife. Yeah, I bet. That's hard. Yeah, but, uh, but it was a great experience, I'll tell you something. I learned more about the state of Indiana in 60 days than most people learn in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it was a it was a wonderful ex- experience. I I don't regret a single bit of it. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. I, I it was I, I shouldn't say you know it, it was it was fascinating. Uh, I had all kinds of things happen to me. I had one guy come. <laughs> I was in in the house uh, and. <laughs> And uh, a group of people came in and they said to the clerk, we want to meet the, the representative who answers all of our letters. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was me. Yeah. I, used to, I used to take my, take, I took the tape recorder out of the press, out of the uh, secretary pool, and I put it next to my bed at the hotel, and I would dictate until I fell asleep. Wow. <laughs> And then, and then I'd send them all these letters. Otherwise, I could have never done it. But right, right. I, uh, I, uh, I just felt that I wanted to do it, and I was pleased that they all appreciated the fact that I was writing, I was responding. Yeah, that's incredible. That really is. But uh, well, I pretty much uh, I don't know whether I can tell you anymore. <laughs> well, don't worry. I have some more questions. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Um, so. When you first got involved in politics, were there any key legislative issues or anything that you were thinking about you wanted to work on? Uh, and no, not really. I, I, I did want, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, to see if I could get to, uh, I wanted I wanted the, the legislature to, to be more responsive, and I don't know whether I accomplished that or not. But yeah. I, I I certainly uh, 
I, I did uh, try to do it, but there were, you know, uh, young guys like me, uh, you know, brand new freshman legislators, uh, Ben, uh, they don't make many, many, many uh, uh, they, they don't have very much of an influence because right. you're too green. Yeah. You really don't. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. I, one of the uh, old-time legislators put a bill together, and it, there was a mistake in it. And I wasn't against it, but it was, it was there. There was a mistake in it, and so I, you know, being green as grass, yep. I put together a uh, an amendment to make it correct. Yeah. The guy went for sure. He was a guy from uh, someplace out in the country, someplace, and he was just sure I was trying to to uh, to kill his bill. And no matter how I told him that I wasn't, it didn't it didn't bother him. He just oh gosh, he went crazy, and he finally it uh, uh, he he defeated my motion to fix it. Wow. And. Uh, uh, and when I got finished, I'm walking, and, and they just pummeled me, uh, you know. Wow. <laughs> and I got back, and I'm walking back, and the old uh, and, and the oldest guy in the legislature, uh, can't think of his name now, took me by the arm as I went by, and he said, uh, Otto, he says, next time you need something like that, just tell me. I'll fix it in conference committee, and nobody will even know what happened. <laughs> I, I said thanks Glenn I think was his first name okay I said thanks Glenn yeah uh, and uh, you know those things those things happen there wow. were a lot of funny things happened in the legislature too uh, I I put together a bill or I didn't put together I this one uh, guy who had been an older guy who had, who had been it bothered me with the bill that I just talked to you about. He put together a bill that uh, was going to change the time for farmers uh, to file their Indiana state tax returns to February. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I didn't care whether they did it in February or not, but but this guy was was the guy who had been really giving me trouble, and uh, yeah, and so you know, I I got I learned quick. I I got a good sense of humor, and and the one way to kill a bill is to call it a lawyer's bill. Mm. That kills it immediately. Yeah, and so I got I got up and and the then the speaker of the house recognized me, and I spoke a little bit about it. And and I said uh, I said well I don't know this uh, the only people who could be uh, helped by this bill are lawyers and this <laughs> must be a lawyer's bill and the guy went berserk <laughs> he start he started screaming no 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 it's not a lawyer's bill it's not a lawyer's bill oh my oh, god and, uh, and I, I I've never forgot I laughed at it. Glenn Schlenker the guy that I talked to you about he he said you got even with him. <laughs> But it was it was just it was just too funny because I <laughs> I remember that well because the guy had picked on me and I thought well I'm gonna 
get even. And I, not, we, we passed them. Actually, it was a dumb bill. And they didn't pass it, but, but it wasn't because of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, though. Wow. <laughs> you learned to play the game, I guess. Yeah. Well, you've you got to do that. Yep. And, you know, and I, again, I, I didn't learn it too well. I didn't, I, I did that. I got a few things passed. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one. Here, here's, things. here's something that you don't understand, that people don't understand. Yeah. I, I joined with uh, a state representative from Michigan City named uh, uh, Bodine. Dick Bodine and I co-sponsored a bill uh, to make the teachers' union, the, the teachers' pension, uh, the state teachers' pension, uh, uh, sound. Uh, uh, so that uh, there was enough money in it and it was done in such a way that, that, that there would be no way that they would not get their money. Right. The only thing we changed was that the state was controlling that that pension, which, which we were paying, rather than the, the union... The, the teachers union boss, Bob Wyatt. Well, he was not going to have that. He was the he was one of the two strongest lobbyists in the uh, in the uh, legislature. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I I obviously this was a bipartisan bill. Right. It was a Democrat and a Republican uh, doing it, and nobody. The Republicans were fine with it, uh, but the uh, uh, the the teachers union was all all Democrats, and uh, I would go to the, the other legislators, Democrats, and and they said, "Otto, I can't vote for this. Teachers will kill me. Mm. I, I won't get elected." Uh, and to show you how strong they are, I got a one of the guys sent me a copy of the of the uh, State Teachers Union newspaper, and the the headline was I'll never forget it if I live to be another ninety years. The headline was "These Men Are Your Enemies." Oh my God! And it said uh, Bodine, Bonahome, Burning, and, and several. You know, wow! Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and of course, the, the bill got defeated. But right. The only the people who really got defeated were the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that's but that happens. Interesting. And you got to you got to just you just got to. <laughs> it, it it was hard for me as a idealistic thirty two year old to get used to that. Yeah, yeah. But I did. Yeah, I, I'm sure that can be rattling at first to uh, to become a target. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, it, it, I, I, I enjoyed being there. I, I can't say that I didn't. Yeah. So what else you got? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so did you have any, like, uh, national, state, or local political heroes at all? Or? Well, I, actually, I think uh, <clears throat> at the time, I think I was a Robert Taft guy. Okay. He was a big conservative senator. 
uh, and uh, uh, I would don't forget I was very young and uh, yeah, and I uh, it seems to me that that's the uh, uh, but I I I really didn't, wasn't hung up on any anybody uh, particular I. I got along with all these people, both Democrats and Republicans, so I really didn't have, uh, I, I didn't have a problem with them, and I, uh, I I didn't sponsor any, you know, I was a freshman, I didn't sponsor any big bills, because that just, freshmen don't do that. Right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I was not involved in the national issue, other than, uh, here at home, I was a precinct committeeman and ward chairman, yeah. and I was and I was the parliamentarian for the Allen County Republican Central Committee, which means that I I uh, presided over all the elections. Uh, so I was involved, but not for myself. Yeah. Okay. Now. When you were, like, campaigning to get elected, did you have any particular things you campaigned on, or? Uh, I don't think so, but okay. I, did, I, campaign, I did campaign differently, and that's one of the reasons why I got so many votes. Okay. All, the, all the other Republicans uh, campaigned among Republicans. I yeah. campaigned among the Democrats. Interesting. Wow. Uh, and, and I'm confident that that is the reason that I, I and I didn't spend a nickel. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I, I never spent a dime of any nickel. I didn't spend any money. I didn't have any money. Yeah. I couldn't have, I couldn't have afforded to buy a book of matches for Pete's sakes to give away. <laughs> so I, I didn't have any, but I, and besides that, you got to remember too, uh, I was uh, I was doing a lot of the stuff with helping people that I told you about in the beginning of this interview, and those people knew it. And yeah. a lot of them were a lot of them were Democrats, right? And usually, people vote for people they know or people that they've seen doing things that they agree with. Yeah. And, I gotta believe. I think that's why I got so many more votes. Uh, simply because I, I think a lot of people who would have voted normally would have voted somebody voted for a Democrat didn't do it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, what was your first election day like? Um, <laughs> rather uneventful. I. I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. Yeah, I was I was flabbergasted that I, uh, you know, I, I now figured it out. But at that time, I, I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. I ran and and I got elected, and everybody was happy about it. And so was I. Yeah. What were What were you thinking when you first uh, walked into the state house for your first day in office? Uh, I was impressed. I, I got to be honest with you. I uh, didn't know exactly what uh, was going to happen, and uh, yeah, and I, uh, I, and I, I 
I felt very good about it, uh, but I, uh, again, as I say, uh, when you're a freshman, you kind of uh, you take what the what what happens and hope you don't look like an idiot. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Now, what were your expectations for the process, the legislative process, and was it more or less complicated than you expected? Uh, uh, yes, it was, uh, well, there's, there's all kinds of things in the legislative process that the average guy who's not involved in it has no idea about. Yeah. Uh, like, uh you know, things things get taken. You, you, there's a hundred different ways to get something done. Right. I mentioned I mentioned to you before that uh, I was I was thinking I'm just going to do the stand for straightforward thing and get this bill amended, and I got killed doing it. Whereas I could have just had somebody in the committee amend it, and nobody would have known a difference. True. True. Uh, but I, you know, I I didn't know that, and. Uh, uh, and there's, there's, you got to remember that uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's politics in all of this. Yes, yeah. So, the, so the things that you think ought to happen, uh, there may be some political reason why it doesn't why it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's but you true. Don't, you don't know that, especially you don't know it if you're a, if you're a newcomer like I was. Yeah. Uh, uh, I learned quick. Uh, but I, but it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a real learning experience. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, what was some of like the the political things that maybe surprised you that you didn't understand at first that were sort of going on behind the scenes, perhaps, or something? Well, there was a, there there was all kinds of trading going on. Yeah. That, you don't know about unless you're there a while. The old timers knew what was knew who was trading what. Yeah. But a guy like me, uh, I you know I was just meeting some of these people. Yeah. Uh, and and you got to remember that uh, the uh, the Indianapolis delegation was the biggest delegation. Right. And uh, and I got to tell you, uh, or I should say, in Marion County. Delegation, and uh, the thing is, uh, I discovered one thing at that time. I, toward the end of the session, uh, most of their, almost all the things that they were trying to get done—that is, the one delegation was trying to get done—they got done. After that, you couldn't get them to even talk to you. Okay. Wow. You know, they didn't get in care anymore. and uh, I remember one, one, it wasn't just the big delegations, a, uh, I can't remember where he's from, but uh, one of the legislators who sat right next to me was from southern Indiana, way down on the, next to the river. Yeah. And, uh, and he ignored everything that was going on. <laughs> and I know that because he was sitting next to me. Yeah. And, uh <laughs> And I, I said, oh, well, what are you doing? He says, <laughs> he says, Otto, I came down here to get two bridges and a dam. 
He says, that's all I'm interested in. If wow. I get my two bridges and a dam, that's all I care. He didn't care about any other bill that was passed. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted his, he said, if I get two bridges and a dam, I'll get reelected forever. And uh, that's what he was after. And he was one, you know, one guy from a little country town. I don't even remember his name nor uh, where he was from. I just remember he was from southern Indiana. Wow. That's interesting, yeah. But it just shows just how many people are coming from these totally different places that have different agendas, so. Well, oh, everybody does. And, and, and that's the fascinating thing about the whole thing is that uh, uh, the other thing, these, these guys that, uh, that everything can change in five seconds. Yeah. See, you, you don't you go in and you hear everybody you hear a, a, a committee report and uh, you think well that's what's going to happen you walk out the door and somebody does something and bing bing and all of a sudden it's all changed uh, yeah uh, and um, uh, the uh, I got up I got offered a, uh, a job lobbying uh, for somebody I can't remember a long time ago after I after I was out of the legislature, and I turned them down, and they said, why? And I said, well, because in order to do an honest lobbying job, you have to be there all the time. Yeah. And I said, I, I, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take a couple thousand dollars from you and, and make it look like I'm, like I'm helping you when I know I'm not. Ah, uh, okay. Because uh, it won't work. Right. I said, you know, it's a full-time job, and and if you don't want to, if I don't, and I don't want a full-time job, and, and you shouldn't hire anybody unless he does it full-time. Sure. Because it's like I said, you walk out of the committee and you think the thing is set up, and but in five minutes it's gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what was the first bill that you sponsored? Do you remember? Yeah, I spot. I can't. Re- well, I, that that uh, that one bill uh, to fix the uh, teacher's pension plan oh, okay. was, yeah. was, a, was one good. The second one, I had a uh, I had a friend that uh, asked me to uh, a barber who asked me to put in a bill. It was a minor thing with respect to the barber's union. I can't remember what it was anymore, but I. I, uh, I, I put it in, and, and it got passed. But again, now, Ben, there's an example. It was kind of an innocuous bill. It wasn't anything special. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and I remember a couple of the veteran Republicans that were good friends of mine, uh, they said, well, I know this is, uh, uh, this is a union bill, but if this guy's a friend of yours, we'll back it. Mm, I mean, okay. that's all there was to it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, if it hadn't been that, that I'd have been, and, and it, it got passed, and I don't even remember what it was anymore because it was it was strictly a, a you know, I, I can't remember it had to do with how the union was run. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and the guy, see, but he knew this. The veteran guy knew it. I didn't know it. Right. You know, uh, I was, as I said, 
I was as green as grass. Yeah, sure. What was the relationship like between Democrats and Republicans? Uh, generally, it was pretty good. Okay. Uh, we didn't have, but we, we, were, we were all pretty, pretty friendly. Uh, every now and then, a guy loses his temper, but, yeah. you know, that's just human. Sure. That's human. We didn't know. I had a lot of Democrat friends down there, and they were, they were good guys. Uh, uh, but uh, actually, I, uh, yeah, that's it. I can't, I, I don't have anybody that I, we never got in any arguments that I can recall. Yeah. Uh, what about the relationship between the House and Senate? Was did you feel like there was a, a different power dynamic between the two, or? Uh, not really. Okay. I don't think that they, they. I don't think that was the case. I think that uh, uh, things were different. Yeah. But the uh, you know we we. Uh, the Republicans controlled the House. The Democrats only were a couple of votes short in the Senate, so they had a lot more influence in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, you know, if one or one or two Republicans didn't agree, nothing happened. Yeah. How powerful was party leadership? Uh. Oh, I think party leadership is very important and it's very strong. Okay. Uh, uh, particularly in the House. Oh, okay. The, spe the Speaker of the House. Uh, most people don't understand this, Ben, but the the most powerful person in the legislature is the Speaker of the House. Mm. Not not the governor, not the lieutenant governor. Nobody else. It's the speaker, and the reason is, is because he has absolute control over the bills yeah. that, are, that are that are presented. And if if he doesn't like a bill, he sticks it in his pocket, and you never see it again. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, so it, the uh, that was one of the reasons why I was on the Ways and Means Committee because I voted for the right guy. I voted for Dick Rustine, who was the speaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of I, I. Another thing I forgot to tell you: I was the representative from Allen and Whitley. Okay. I represented two counties. Yeah. Now, now they, you know, now they're all divided up into numbers. Right. Uh, they're completely uh, different, but at that time, I was representative from Allen and Whitley and Dick Ristine, as I, uh, I, I mean, pardon me, uh, no, Ristine is the governor, lieutenant governor, uh, Dick, uh, oh, I can't think, the, the Speaker of the House and I were very good friends, and uh, whenever he would recognize me, he would always... <laughs> He would always recognize me as a gentleman from Whitley. <laughs> it was a kind of a standing joke. That's funny, yeah. Um, now, did you feel like you worked with Democrats a lot to get legislation done? Uh, give me a, I didn't hear you say again. Uh, did you work with Democrats a fair amount to get legislation done? Yeah, I did. I did quite a bit. Okay. I can't I can't remember exactly anymore. It's been too many years ago, but uh, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. Um, now, you've kind of already highlighted this point a little bit already multiple times, but what does the public not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? Well, they just, the, the, the public doesn't understand the procedure. Okay. And, and, and that's, that's the problem. And that, by the way, the other thing, Half of the time, well, more than that, this is one that you probably didn't know and you probably would have never asked me. The news people who are, who are covering the legislature don't know much more about it than the public does. Oh, uh, okay. They, mis they misdirect everybody. But I would call home and my wife would say, well, I see such and such happen. Yeah. I read in the morning paper, and I say, Jane, that's old news. That's not, none of that happened. Yeah. It's gone. Okay. And she'd say, but it says here in the paper. I said, honey, I can't help it. They don't know what they're talking about. The guy that wrote that. Also, <laughs> some of them uh, are, are not necessarily honest. Yeah. And uh, I give you, I'll give you my best example. I, I'm, I'm annoyed about it even to this day. Uh, of my my uh, my dealings with the press. Uh, one one night, there was a a big dinner given for the entire legislature, and everybody went. And there was nothing spectacular about it. But I was a member of the Ways and Means Committee, and of course, I told you we met daytime and nighttime. Yeah, and. So we had agreed, there's 18 of us, we agreed we'd, we'd leave ahead of the, of the uh, banquet, uh, but we would do it in bits, you know, four or five of us at a time, so it wouldn't make a big splash, and so nobody would pay any attention, you know, we wouldn't disrupt anything. Well, as a result of doing that, we all came in to our a meeting probably 15, 20 minutes late, sometimes a half hour. Well, the, the most was a half hour. Yeah. Uh, well, John Compass was the uh, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, a real nice guy uh, from Napanee, Indiana. And, uh, but he was a little guy, short guy, and he liked to tell everybody how important he was. And, uh, he probably would be mad at me for telling you and saying this to him, but uh, but he got up and started to make a big speech about you guys. When I call a meeting for eight o'clock, I expect all you guys to be here, and I don't want you out there boozing it up, <laughs> uh, you know. And he carried on like that for two minutes, and everybody knew it was John. We paid no attention to him because he was just making a speech. Yeah. Uh, the next morning. We all pick up the newspaper, and here's this article with a headline that made us sound like everybody on the Ways Means Committee were a bunch of drunks. Oh my God! And 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 he went on to write this whole thing, and uh, 
And I saw the writer, the the, the reporter, who, who had attended every one of our meetings. I know his name right now. Yeah. I can tell you his name today. Uh, and I said, Steve, what the heck is this? This isn't what we do. Yeah. And, and I says, how could you write something like this? He says, I got front page and a byline all over Indiana with that story. Oh, my gosh. I, I, almost, I almost hit him in the mouth. I was so angry because he'd be slandering all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they're libelous. And Jeez. Got away with it. But that's, that happens. You just got to gotta accept it. But I got to be honest with you. That kind of dishonesty bothered me. It's, as you can tell, right. 60 years later, it still bothers me. Yeah, I bet. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah that, that's tough. Jeez. Um, how did your legislative service affect your family life? Uh, it was pretty tough Yeah. my family life because we had five. five at that time, we had five. With the fifth child uh, was born... Uh, right after I got out of the, right after the legislation, legislature was over in 63. Yeah. She was born, born in April and, and of 63. And, uh, that was, that, that was too many kids to have and be down there. That's the reason I never went back. Uh, the, the people here in Allen County couldn't believe when I said I wasn't going to run again. Uh, they said, my God, you're a shoe in. Why wouldn't you run? <laughs> <laughs> you led the ticket except for one guy, but uh, yeah. it was uh, uh, it, it just wasn't wasn't the right thing to do. So I did sure. Do. Now, what would you say was the most controversial legislative issue during your time there? Sales tax, no question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sales tax was the biggest issue. Yeah. And the, and the, well, actually, sales tax, reapportionment, and the budget. Yeah, okay. Those are the things everybody was fighting about. Right, right. And what, what piece of legislation took the longest to work out, or that you spent the most time working on? Well, uh, the, the, uh, the budget... Would ease, the budget's easily the hardest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, you got to realize, uh, you probably have never, the budget is in a, in a long book about two and a half, about two feet long. Yeah. And about five inches high. And it's a big, huge and we went through it line by line. Yeah, it sure. Took, it took forever. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, there's, you know, I can't remember how many millions it was involved, but uh, the biggest thing uh, they fought about was uh, a budget for health, as I recall. Otis Bowen, the... Uh, uh, he was the uh, he was a state rep when I was there, and he later became governor. Yeah, of, of Indiana, knew him well, good guy, very very doc. He was a medical doctor. Uh, he uh, <clears throat> we couldn't we couldn't pass the budget in the house 
and he got together and made some adjustments on the health care that allowed allowed the budget to pass. Um, Interestingly, I didn't vote for it, and I didn't vote for it. There was only three people that didn't vote for it. The speaker, or the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, and me and another guy, and I can't think of his name. And the only reason I didn't vote for it was it was a matter of principle. I, yeah. I, uh, I didn't object to, to it at all. Uh, but, uh, you know, I voted, I, did, I thought we had done the right thing in the, in the Ways and Means Committee, and, and this was a compromise in which uh, uh, Dr. Bowen uh, compromised with the Democrats. And that's okay, you know. He, he did it, did it right. But I was, I was just, I was just defending the chairman of the, of the Ways and Means Committee. And uh, as I told you, I was, I'm one of these guys that said, <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like an obligation to him to that that we didn't do that we did not make a mistake. But uh, anyway, that. That's what happened. You want to know something that's really funny? Sure. I, I knew Dr. Bowen very well, and I met him several times after he became governor, and he never forgot that I voted against his bill. <laughs> he reminded me of it every single time I met him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. <clears throat> What would you say was the proudest moment you had as a legislator? Oh, I think that would have to be the, the passing of the sales tax bill. It yeah. was so hard to do. It was just so hard to get done, and we worked so hard, and we needed to do it. Uh, I, a lot of people would say, why would you want to be proud of the sales tax bill? The alternative uh, was the... Uh, was a graduated net income tax, mm. and and I was unalterably opposed to that because I had seen it, yeah, in in in, in Wisconsin where where they have it, uh, and uh, I had made tax returns out for Indiana people and Wisconsin people, yeah, and and I can tell you right now that the uh, the the Wisconsin on the same amount of money, the Wisconsin resident paid about three times as much as the Indiana people did. Wow. <laughs> and I wasn't about to pass a, I was not about to vote for a graduated net income tax. Sure. And, uh, so that was that was the reason for that. Yeah. What? Actually, yeah, go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, what, in your opinion, do you think is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? The most important work of the General Assembly? Yeah. Well, it's pretty hard to say. I suppose uh, the, the, the three big things that they have to uh, go with every year uh, uh, they've, they've got to do taxes budget and uh, 
and reapportionment. Those sure. are the things that the, those are the most important things, and that's why they come up every year. Right, right. Uh, today, uh, Ben. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of other, and more I think about it, uh, uh, I'd have to think. In my time, that's what it was. Today, if I went over it a little bit, I think I would. I might change it. I think that uh, uh, taking care of uh, uh, of the the welfare of the uh, older people is uh, of the elderly. See, we've got a. Most people don't understand that the largest the fastest growing segment of society is over 80. Mm, wow. And if you don't pay any attention, all of a sudden you're going to have, have a lot of, uh, you know, elderly people, you know, in the poorhouse. Yeah. Uh, so you got, you got to think about that. I, I'm not thinking about it from my own point of view because I'm in that category, but, uh, and I'm not worried about it, but, uh, I know an awful lot of people who are, and right. they are, they are in trouble. Sure. Um, what do you remember about the civil rights bill while you're in the General Assembly? I, you know, I don't think the, the civil rights bill, even though it was in the '60s, yeah, I don't recall it that it, that in Indiana, in our legislative thing, I don't think we, if we did, it was certainly not a big issue. Okay. I don't remember it, and I, I tell you right now, it probably should have been, but, yeah. but, but I don't believe it was. Okay. Um, so overall, now thinking just kind of in the big picture, how would you summarize your time as a state legislator? Um, I thought that it was extremely gratifying. I learned a tremendous amount about uh, Indiana and I also learned I learned an awful lot about politics so that uh, I don't have I don't have all of the the uh, the anger that so many of these young people have today Okay. Ang anger doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. A anger accomplishes absolutely nothing. And if, if I agree that there are plenty of things that we need to fix. Sure. But but if you're doing it ang in anger, you're usually screwing up. Yeah. Uh, I I can tell you one thing that I'll tell you that I'm I'm absolutely convinced of. I never ever act if I can keep from it in anger mm -hmm. every time I do I regret it and many many times I have uh, written a letter for example I remember one I wrote a letter and I was furious and I looked at it and I thought nope I stuck it in my desk drawer and closed the door and it turns out that had I written it I would have screwed up everything yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. You just you just don't write. You don't think well when you're angry. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned? I don't think that you should ever assume that you understand everything until you have really investigated it. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any regrets as a legislator? Uh, not really. I I, uh, I kind of wish I'd have been able to go back. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm not. I mean, I I I enjoyed it, but I just just uh, couldn't do it. I should tell you one thing before I forget it. Sure. I. Uh, you didn't ask me about about the honesty in the legislature. Oh, okay. And, and I remember sitting in the uh, sitting there, with talking to a lobbyist, a good friend of mine. After I'd been there at least sixty days, I was probably in the in the in the extra session, and we were just chatting. And I said, you know, I said. Uh, I heard all about this business of how crooked all the politicians are, and and I said, you know, I've been here now all this time, and I haven't seen any of that at all. And I, I just think that's the product of somebody's imagination. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the lobbyist looked at me with a smile, and he said, Otto, nobody's going to offer you a bribe. Mm. <laughs> and... I said, I said, well, you know, you're, I guess you're right. And what he's telling me is, is that I didn't see any evil because they didn't show me any. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, and, and I, and of course I was, as I said, I was 32 years old. I was as naive as you can get almost. Right. And, uh, but I still don't think that I, uh, there might be one or two guys in the legislature that that do something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely, well, at least when I was there, I'm, I'm sure that there weren't very many. Yeah. It, yeah, I guess it just sounds like a, a bigger issue than people yeah, they realize. Mean, it's not as much, yeah. What advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? I'd like them to uh, be less partisan and listen to each other and not be pushing their own personal agenda. Yeah. Uh, I think that we have a lot you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the legislators, they they push something because it's going to make them look good or, or it, it will further one of their own personal uh, objectives. Yeah. And I don't think we should do that. Sure. How would you say the state of Indiana has changed over the course of your lifetime? 
I think it's changed for the better. Okay. Uh, I really, I think it's changed for the better. I think lots of things are better now than they were. They're not all better. Right. But but they're certainly better than they were, including including uh, the big question today of uh, racism. Okay. Uh, Indiana had a lot of racism. Yeah. In, in the past. And they've still got some. Right. It isn't, as bad, it isn't as bad as it was. Sure, sure. Um, how do you think the Indiana General Assembly has changed over time? I, I don't really think I can answer that. Okay. I don't, I don't have don't have enough information to answer that. What, what about politics in the state in general? Well, that's, uh, it, uh, it has changed in this regard, uh, Ben, uh, the, the local politics is pretty much just like it was, I think. Okay. Uh, but the national politics has, has now, uh, it's it's a it's a it's a money thing. Uh, who who do you know can can run for a national office unless he's got millions of dollars? Yeah. Uh, that's because we've got primaries. I'm I'm I might as well tell you that I uh, I used to be a representative to the Indiana delegation or the, the, you know and I think that I think we did a better job of nominating people than the primaries do mm, okay I, I, the primaries primaries are too much money involved in the primaries interesting they, they the only guy that can even think about running is, is somebody that's got uh, a backer that's got millions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is that is interesting. Um, when thinking about the people in Indiana, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers still have or hold dear? What? Say that again. Um, when thinking about the people in Indiana, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers have or hold dear? Still today, I uh, I think they want honesty. I I I I don't think there's any substitute for uh, for honesty. Uh, one thing, and I I think uh, that they want uh, people who uh, have. The best interests of the general public at heart, as opposed to one's particular, uh, as opposed to business or labor. Right. I think I think that the, I think people want you to give them an honest shake. Sure. And uh, uh, and I, I I don't I don't think it's a good idea to be uh, close-minded. Which is, I don't. Some people are still. Yeah. 
What do you want Hoosers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? I want them to be interested, but I'm not sure there's any way to give them enough uh, accurate knowledge to do that. Yeah. That's the problem. Right. Sure. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Is there anything that you want to say or talk about that I didn't cover? I can't think of anything. Uh, I've, I've elaborated on some stuff for you without your asking me. Yeah. I think I've pretty much covered it, uh, Ben. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's about all I have for you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be a part of this project, and it, it's going to be very helpful, I think. So. I appreciate your calling, and I hope it works out for you. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Nice thank you. Talk. Nice talking to you, Ben. Take care. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.